0: Your Bibles open up to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, and in Psalm 22 we have the revelation of Christ. It's a wonderful prophetic psalm, and uh, and and really it is kind of an unveiling of Christ, uh, especially in the crucifixion. And as we read this psalm, uh, we know the New Testament, and and you you probably cannot read this psalm without envisioning the cross. The crucifixion, because there's some very, uh, very famous quotes that come out of Psalm 22, and it's really hard for us uh, to, to read it and, and not see Jesus in Psalm 22. But could you imagine, just w- imagine with me for a moment, if you lived in the Old Testament and you did not know that Jesus Christ was going to come and was going to die on the cross, then you might read this as a psalm of a persecuted saint. And you'd say uh, somebody that was having a bad day. Maybe it would be something that you would feel or that you would pray and say, uh, "You know, I feel like God has abandoned me, uh, and that He's not with me." And uh, and and so there's elements of that that are in there. Uh, we're not going to focus on that tonight. I, I really want to look at the uh, the the prophecy and how it. Uh, really applies to the life of Jesus Christ and, and his death on the cross of Calvary. So we'll certainly see that tonight. It's very obvious and very clear. But this psalm, Psalm 22, is really good. It goes well with, uh, with Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. Uh, psalm 22 is Christ in the past, as we look at it, because Christ has died on the cross of Calvary, Psalm 23 is the the uh, good shepherd that He goes with us and He shepherds us as as children. And then Psalm 24 is yet another prophetic psalm pointing out into the future uh, of the the of what Jesus will do uh, in the future as we look at these things. And so uh, it's really three good psalms uh, that that really go well together. Together, uh, Psalm 22 in verse number one, the Bible says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent, but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of all people." Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you again for the privilege that we have to be gathered in your house, God, with uh, with the, the opportunity to be encouraged, to be strengthened by uh, singing the songs of praise to you and seeing one another and just hearing uh, from your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would... Uh, touch and encourage and strengthen each and every person. And Father, will certainly thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As I read this psalm and I read the psalm, really, uh, I think the first 10 verses uh, I put down here, Christ the rejected. And uh, as you read through those first 10 verses, even the first 20 verses, really, uh, boy, it it looks very uh, discouraging. I mean, look at the first verse. It says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And, and really, this would be uh, the position of, of Christ. And we know that uh, he even prayed that on the cross of Calvary. Uh, he, he, we'll, we'll look at that verse a little bit later. But but that was his prayer on the cross of Calvary. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so we see Christ as rejected, suffering on the cross of Calvary. And really, uh, where are where, um, that comes into play and where that is is quoted. It matter of fact, it's quoted, save your spot here, in, uh, in Psalm 22. And go with me to Matthew chapter 27. And we'll look at several of these New Testament passages, but this one we'll look at Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46. And we have Jesus is, of course, on the cross. And in Matthew 27, 46, he says, uh, he says here, Matthew 27, 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And, uh, and, and you think about this as I was thinking about Christ on the cross of Calvary. I, I thought, man, you know, we, we're sinful creatures. And, and you know what? When we make a mistake, um, man, it pains us to own up to our own mistakes. It, it pains us to say, I'm at fault for that. And, uh, and we've all been there. I mean, everyone, we know what it's like to say, you know what? Even if you do it in your own mind and even in your own life, you're like, man, I messed up right there. And man, that cost me something. But you think about this, we own up to our mistakes and that's painful enough, but Jesus Christ had no sin. And here he is taking our sin upon himself. And, and you could imagine that horror of sin. And uh, and certainly that is uh, that is quite a, a responsibility. That is something to bear that Jesus Christ bared on the cross of Calvary. And we find that he quoted Psalm 22 in verse one, my God, my God, why hath thou forsaken me? And I just couldn't imagine, I don't want to speculate too much or get off into the weeds, but I just couldn't imagine being 100 100% pure 100% sinless and taking the sins of the world and then God just kind of turning his back on him and and what a what a uh, what a weight to have carried and we see Christ as the rejected one especially there in verse number 1 i want you to notice in verse number 2 he says oh my god i cry in the daytime but thou hearest not and in the night season and am not silent, and then verse two, but, or verse three, but thou art holy. It is not a uh, it is not a complaint against God, uh, but rather just a statement of fact that hey, God did not hear. Uh, it seemed like he did not hear. I don't know if you've ever been there in your life. I've been there certainly in my life, man, where you pray and you pray and you pray. And it seems like I heard, the, I heard a preacher say today uh, that the ceilings were made of brass. And, I, you know, they just didn't go anywhere. And sometimes we have spells like that. We have seasons like that. And obviously we ought to go back and review our life and evaluate, well, am I living in sin? Am I not doing what is right? You know, evaluate that we're okay. And, and sometimes we're okay, but it still seems like, man, there's, there's no response from heaven. And, uh, and I'm sure that Jesus felt like that. Uh, go with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Not just Jesus felt like that, but um, I'm sure this, that uh, as men watched Jesus Christ die on the cross of Calvary and watched him actually cry out, uh, I'm sure that men that were there looked at him and said, man, God is not answering his prayer. You know, here he is crying out and there's no response from heaven and, uh, and, and men's perspective looking and saying, hey, he's not being heard from God. Luke chapter 23, verse number 35 We find this, the Bible says, And the people stood beholding, and the little rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. And certainly men would look at this and they would think, well, must be he's not God. I mean, you read the account, we see uh, that that's what other people were clearly thinking. They were saying, well, this must not be God, because obviously if he were God, then he would come down from the cross and he would be spared this horrific death that he's dying. And so from other men's perspectives, they would look at Christ and they would say, yeah, he's not being heard. He, He prays to God, but there's no answer. And uh, and certainly that is uh, what other men would think. Matter of fact, could you imagine even the believers, the disciples that were standing there and watching, and they were there watching, they were uh, watched that crucifixion, and they're thinking, this is the end. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. They had walked and talked with Jesus. They had watched miracle after miracle take place. And now, unbelievably, before their very eyes, this Jesus Christ that they had followed is hanging on the cross and he's dying. And they're thinking, man, this is the end and 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 certainly Jesus told them that he would come again and and certainly they were taught about the resurrection but obviously even when he resurrected they struggled i mean they were like Wait, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. We, we look back to it. So it's so hard for us to really wrap our head around where they were. But, but they, uh, they're looking for all of this is unfolding before their eyes. They're living through these circumstances. And, and perhaps they were thinking, man, you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering if this was the Messiah. And, uh, and, and they see him dying on the cross and, and thinking maybe God's not hearing him. We find back in Psalm 22 in verse number four through six, we find his helplessness. The Bible says, our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. There's a comparison going on. And saying, you know, when, when Israel was in trouble, yes, sometimes they sinned and walked away from God. But other times they prayed and God delivered Israel. And so they're saying, hey, our fathers trusted and God delivered them. But you jump down to verse number six and he says, but I am a worm and no man. A reproach of men and despised of the people. Well, a lot of people did despise Jesus Christ. And they said, uh, you know, when, when given the opportunity, hey, I've got this Barabbas and we'll release unto you Barabbas and, or, or we'll release unto you Jesus rather. And, and the crowd cried out, no, we want Barabbas, this, this uh, other guy to be released. And we want Jesus to be crucified. That was despised. Uh, and there were those who did despise Jesus Christ. And we find that very clearly and then he was held in derision. In verse number seven, it says, All they that see me laugh, me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Listen, boy, that, that was the sentiment. We read that on the cross of Calvary as people would mock Jesus Christ and, and they would look at him and say, uh, you know, is he really the Savior? And, and we find that uh, Christ really uh, on that time on the cross was Christ the rejected. The people rejected him. It would seem as though uh, even as he prayed, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we find a, a rejected Christ that is on the cross. Not only that, but I want you to notice in verses 11 down through 21, we find Christ the ridicule. And we find that he was ridiculed. There's a lot of, there's a lot of verses here in these, this passage that, that are really correspond to the New Testament. Look with me in 11. Uh, the Bible says, Be not far from me, for trouble is near me, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. In other words, they, they, he had been surrounded by enemies. And, uh, and you think about it, go with me to Matthew 26, Matthew 26 and verse number 56. Matthew 26 and 56. And we find in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26 and verse number 56. The Bible says, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. That was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane when uh, when Judas had betrayed Jesus Christ. And, and you go back and read the context there, but the Bible says in verse number 56: But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And one of those is, uh, of course, Psalm 22. There's many prophecies in Psalm 22. and, And we find that he was compassed around by enemies. In other words, all the disciples fled, every one of them, and they abandoned Jesus Christ. And here's Jesus Christ completely surrounded. On top of all that, that they came to the garden with soldiers. And he even asked them, was I not every day with you in the temple? You needed to bring soldiers and swords and, and an army with you to, count, to, to, to collect me. And, 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 and he's saying, man, that's crazy. And you see the strength with which they took him. The Bible says, and you can just note this down in Zechariah 13:7, because there's many prophecies that point towards Jesus Christ, but it says, "Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the men uh, man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, Smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones." Boy, you see that take place there in the garden. As they, uh, they took Jesus and every one of those disciples fled. And then there's not a friendly face with him the entire time that he's taken all the way to uh, the judgment hall and, and they, they deal with him there and of course they mock him and, and, uh, and he's surrounded the entire time all the way up to the cross. He's surrounded by people that despise him. We see him ridiculed by those that are around him. Look in verse number 14, back in Psalm 22. We find the sorrow. He says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. I couldn't even begin to fathom how the heart of Jesus Christ Would have felt. I mean, even as they were crucifying him, even as they were leading him out, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And, and the love that Jesus had for mankind and the people that hated him, the people who rejected him, the people who ridiculed him, the people who mocked him. And, and here is the love of Jesus Christ. And, and I can't even begin to fathom the sorrow that he would have felt. And the Bible gives us a real clear description there that my heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. And I could just fathom that's the heart of Jesus Christ. What great love that he had. We see the sorrow. We see that he was surrounded by enemies. Look in verse number 15. The Bible says, My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Boy, he is spent He's given everything that he has to give on the cross of Calvary, and we find that he's there, and, and the, as the Bible says that he he was um, had nothing left, and and John eight nineteen twenty eight says this after this Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that the Scripture might be fulfilled saith I thirst. Boy, we find here in Psalm that, uh, that his mouth uh, and his tongue cleaveth unto his jaw and that his mouth was dried out. And, and here he is on the cross and he's sorrowful and he's surrounded by enemies and, and he's spent. And we find a mention even of his, uh, being, his hands being pierced. And he says there in verse number 16, for dogs have compassed me. There's another reference to being surrounded by enemies. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. By the way, when you look at that and you think about that, it was more than just the people that were surrounding him. Could you imagine the spiritual battle that was raging right then at the cross of Calvary? And the wickedness that would be surrounding, I mean, there's stuff that you and I, we don't see. We, we just, you know, we're, we're not able to see it. We're not able to grasp a lot of that. But I can assure you that Jesus Christ was well aware Heaven was well aware of the spiritual battle that was taking place at Calvary. And we find that, uh, that he was indeed surrounded, that they pierced his hands and his feet. Of course, that is a reference to him being, uh, being crucified on the cross of Calvary. And look with me in verse number 17. And the Bible says, I may tell all my bones... In other words, as he was hanging there, that his bones would be uh, maybe exposed or he'd be so dehydrated that the skin would cleave to it and, and you'd be able to pick out the bones in his body as, as they would be visible. He was hanging there on the cross. And then go on and, and it says, uh, I'm, I may tell all my bones, And verse number 17, they look and stare upon me. Crucifixion was a humiliating form of death and it was intended to be and it was intended to, uh, to, to be humiliating so that other people did not want to commit the same kind of crimes and be crucified. So it was a public thing. And it was done on a public road as people would pass by and go in and out of the city. And, and, and so Jesus was there and, and people would stare at him. Look at Matthew 27, if you're still over there. Matthew 27 and verse number 36 Matthew twenty seven thirty six. The Bible says this. Go back to verse 35 where they crucified him. They crucified him, parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. We'll get to that one as well. But verse number 36, and sitting down, they watched him there. He said verse 17 and sitting down they are in verse number 17 that they stared upon him. And they stare upon me. And and these are prophecies that point to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, we we read them and and we're like, man, I, you can't not see Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. But but uh, but clearly, uh, it was probably hard for the uh, them to see that as they were looking forward to those things. But we see Christ as he's being ridiculed and those that are staring at him and those those that are are there. And and notice the verse number 18 back in. in Psalms, and I know we're back and forth, but there's a lot of prophecy here. Verse number 18, it says, in Psalm 22, "They part my garments among them, and cast lots upon my vestures." and And all of that was prophesied. And you look at all of that, and uh, I, I didn't. And I'm just amazed at the prophecy that points forward to Jesus Christ. I was reading and studying this afternoon, and I was reading, and uh, and it was talking about prophecy, and 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 he went into probabilities, and he just went over my head with numbers and like and things like that. But he said he said if you prophesied one thing, uh, then then the chance of it taking place is one on one. And then he said if you prophesied it, uh, you know, a second thing about the same event, uh, then it, then it went on, and and he went on about the the probabilities, and and it really kind of went over my head. Uh, I didn't get it all. I'll be I'll assure you of that. But he said the prophecies that are contained in the scripture, he said, are, are like one in 33 million that they would be fulfilled. And yet they were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That was no accident, my friend. That happened on purpose. Because God knew what he was doing when he wrote this the, the Psalm. God knew what he was doing when he gave those words to David, and, and David penned those words, and, and those in the in the prophecies of Isaiah and Ezekiel and, and, and in the minor prophets of Zechariah and Malachi and many of the others. Uh, God knew what he was doing when he wrote all of those things down concerning the death of Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ, and all of those prophecies are amazing. We focused on all the negative we've seen Christ uh, rejected we've seen Christ ridiculed but I want you to see this last part because the last part of this chapter gets exciting and it's something to praise the Lord about look with me in verse number 22 the Bible says this we'll go back to verse number well we'll just pick it up there in verse 22 I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Look at what he says. Will I praise thee? Boy, there's a certain turn in the tone. Up to this moment, boy, it's about rejection. It's about being ridiculed. It's about being surrounded by enemies. It's about suffering. It's about uh, losing everything. But in verse 22, there is a definite change as he says, I uh, will I praise thee. And we find Christ the resurrected. And we find that here in Psalm 22 in verse number uh, 21, 22, 22, 22, that, uh, that he's going to start praising. And he praises in the congregation. I read that and I was reminded how the disciples were gathered in that upper room. And I love reading it because the Bible says it just kind of gives you the idea that Jesus just appeared in the room. I don't, I don't know how he did. I, I don't know uh, all the details on that. And, and God chose to not, uh, not explicitly tell us every detail. Uh, but, but boy, Jesus just shows up. And boy, the praise that it takes place. And you see, you feel a burden that is lifted as you look at that, and and he praised uh, in the the congregation, and and praised among those that that fear him. The Bible says that in verse number twenty-five, my praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. And we find the praise of, uh, of in the congregation and as those disciples were meeting there. And, and boy, what a praise report that Jesus Christ would, would show up and would be in the midst of them. Go with me in verse number 26. The Bible says, the meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Boy, that's prophetic of the salvation that is to come. And that's pointing to Christ, the resurrected Christ and the praise of the satisfied and, and the meek that will see the Savior and be satisfied with what they have and, and the saved that with the, the, their heart shall live forever. And, and what, a, what a praise that is taking place there in those verses. I want you to notice this. Look with me in verse number 27. I love this. It says all the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord and all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. I think there's twofold prophecy there. I think one is is very clearly the, uh, the, the great commission that the Bible says, go ye, into, go, the, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always. And we have a responsibility to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. And the Bible tells us, hey, it was preached in all the known parts. And so it it certainly points to that idea that, hey, all nations will hear. But I think also this, look with me again and read it again. The Bible says, And all the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Well, that kind of points to a prophetic millennial reign of Christ. that's visible in the Old Testament. Studying the book of Revelation, we're kind of, you know, looking and and you kind of see this idea of prophetic uh, proportion that goes out beyond. And and many times prophecy is like that. And and it will will be fulfilled in more than one way. and, And it will touch more than just one point. But we see the propagation as well of the gospel. And listen, boy, we have a responsibility to get the gospel to all the ends of the world. And listen, there, you know, people can be saved in, in, in any language and in any country. The gospel is not limited, well, only in America, well, only in this country or in that country. And no, the gospel is for the world. Jesus clearly proclaimed that and told that. And so we see the idea of the propagation of the gospel. And look with me in verse number 27, and we read verse 27, go with me to 28. The Bible says, for the kingdom is the Lord's and the, he is the governor among the nations. Listen, there is, there is coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hey, that's definitely true. And, and that's a, a day that is coming. That's a prophetic day pointing even forward uh, to, again, that millennial reign. And so we see that uh, as we see Christ the resurrected. And so we read these first few verses Well, you see Christ the rejected. And he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We see Christ the ridiculed as he's surrounded by enemy and they mock him and they part his raiment underneath him and they stare at him and they just watch him and and all of that goes on with that. But boy, I love the ending of, of chapter 22 because we see Christ the resurrected. Praise the Lord, he's not ridiculed any longer. Praise the Lord, he's not rejected any longer. Oh, some men will reject him, yes, and some men will ridicule him, but ultimately, listen, he is the resurrected Christ. And eventually, he will reign eternally. And he will have a kingdom set up. Praise the Lord. What, a, what an exciting psalm as we see Christ. We really, we're looking at it past tense because we stand on this side of the cross. And we're glad that he did die on the cross and that he did uh, do so that we, you and I, could be born again. And we could be saved. And we thank God for the salvation. Uh, that we have and so what a what a great Psalm Psalm 22 presents Christ in the past what he did on the cross of Calvary even though we're kind of looking at it prophetically to what he did then we see in Psalm 23 uh, presents Christ in the present what he does for us and then chapter 24 we'll see Christ uh, what Christ will do in the future and, uh, and so we'll look at those two psalms not this week uh, we probably won't look at them both next week we'll probably just do one psalm next week as well but uh, I hope and pray that that helps you I hope and pray that that encourages you as you study your Bible and look at prophecy and, and see those things and, and I tell you what it ought to do it ought to put your faith in the word of God because man this book is not like any other book and, and it's just an amazing book that, that talks about uh, all of those things. And the word of God ought to be precious to us. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening. May we be encouraged by the prophecy that's taken place how they looked forward to the cross of Christ we look back to it boy it's real clear when you look at at it and look back and I pray that we've been blessed and we've been encouraged by that Father I pray that you would just speak to hearts as only you can God may our faith be emboldened may our faith grow may we be edified God knowing that we can trust in you and God knowing that God your book is sure God, that you wrote it and we can trust it. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. Help us to trust in you. God, may we be grateful. We've looked a lot at the cross. God, may our hearts be touched by your great love, by the great sacrifice that you paid on the cross of Calvary that we could be born again we could be saved father may we be grateful for that sacrifice may it strengthen our love god i ask all of these things in jesus precious name i pray amen as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed we'll just have